super PACs are a modern form of PACs, and they can raise unlimited and unrestricted amounts of money from individuals, corporations, unions, associations, let's just say dark money, other groups, you name it. And they can spend unlimited and unrestricted amounts of money to support or to work against political candidates. Welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. And I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. Come on in. Yes, come join us as we learn about and talk about super PACs, something we didn't understand very well when in our dark money episode, we talked about PACs and super PACs, and we realized we don't understand that much about them. So in today's episode, we're going to delve deeper into understanding super PACs. Exactly, Cindy. So to review, the main purpose of PACs or political action committees is to raise and distribute money to advocate for political goals. PACs can only accept contributions of up to $5,000 from individuals, and they cannot take money from groups. They can donate a limited amount of money directly to candidates but use most of their funds for indirect campaigning, such as travel, lobbying, advertising, and other campaign expenses. The law limits the amount one individual can contribute directly to any campaign, in part to help prevent corruption or the appearance of corruption. But wealthy donors, and I know you know this is coming, they always find ways to have a huge influence on our political process anyway. So we're gonna look at how all this got started. Julie, we're diving in. (laughs) Super PACs are a relatively new type of committee or organization made possible by the July 2010 federal court decisions known as SpeechNow.org versus the Federal Election Commission and also Citizens United versus the Federal Election Commission. First, in the case of SpeechNow.org versus the FEC, A federal court found restrictions on individual contributions to independent organizations in order to influence elections unconstitutional. So you can't restrict an individual's contribution. And then that opened the door for Citizens United versus the Federal Election Commission. That opened the door there for the Supreme Court to decide that limits on corporate and union spending to influence elections were also unconstitutional. I just want to say that is an unbelievable outcome by our unbelievable Supreme Court. It just makes no sense. It's not the Supreme Court currently, but it was already on its way. It was oh, already. Yeah. And if you need more information on that, go back and listen to our Supreme Court episode. So their rulings concluded that independent spending, whether by individuals, corporations, or other groups, don't necessarily lead to corruption or the appearance of corruption, and limits on spending to support or to criticize politicians violates the First Amendment right to free speech. These rulings clearly have made it easier to influence elections in exactly the way they were acting like they wouldn't. It does appear corrupt to me. Me too. Before 2010, 
corporations and unions were prohibited from independently spending money to influence federal elections. So super PACs are a modern form of PACs, and they can raise unlimited and unrestricted amounts of money from individuals, corporations, unions, associations, let's just say dark money, other groups, you name it. And they can spend unlimited and unrestricted amounts of money to support or to work against political candidates. To be really clear, there's no legal limit on donations. They can do a lot of things that candidate campaigns can do, like run ads, make phone calls, send mailers. But being categorized as independent expenditure committees, super PACs have to spend their campaign money in ways that don't specifically advocate the election of a candidate. So as a result, a lot of the money spent by super PACs ends up in negative ads and negative campaigning. Yeah, because they can say bad things about people, but they can't advocate for a person. Right. So we've ended up seeing lots of attack ads and candidates haven't had to take responsibility for them because it's not them doing it. It's the super PAC. They can act like they have nothing to do with it while groups smear opponents on their behalf. And I just want to add the super PACs can say whatever lies and fake news that they feel like in those negative ads. The role of a super PAC is similar to that of a traditional political action committee They advocate for the election or defeat of candidates by paying for television, radio, print ads, as well as any other form of media marketing, including all the social media influencers, et cetera. There are conservative super PACs and there are also liberal super PACs. Unlike traditional PACs, super PACs cannot donate any money directly to political candidates and their spending isn't even allowed to be coordinated with the candidates they benefit. But of course, there are ways around this we'll touch on in a in a minute. Super PACs are required to report their donors to the Federal Election Commission on a monthly or semi-annual basis in non-election years, whichever, and monthly in the year of an election. So the huge amounts of money raised and spent by super PACs make a lot of people really angry. Um, That would include me. (laughs) As you've probably surmised, millionaires, billionaires, and wealthy special interest groups can make unlimited contributions to support or attack candidates through their super PACs. And since groups can make political donations, it's also become harder to tell which individuals are spending big to support a candidate. Those individuals can hide behind an organization's name that is covered in our dark money episode that you might be interested in. Mm -hmm. Another issue is that super PACs can't plan the particulars of their operations with the candidate they're supporting but they've been able to work around this in really big ways. For example, candidates are not allowed to discuss the details of advertising with super PACs, but they often appear as featured speakers at super PAC fundraising events. And while super PACs aren't supposed to spend money at the suggestion of a candidate or their campaign or a political party, candidates and party officials are allowed to encourage supporters to make limited contributions up to $5,000 to super PACs. Even if candidates and super PACs break some of these rules, and I don't mean if, I mean when, it's not clear what the consequences would be since the FEC decides consequences on a case-by-case basis, and that's long after the damage is done usually. Yeah. Individuals can only give up to $2,500 to campaigns directly, and corporations can't contribute to them at all. 
But by having candidates benefit from the unlimited resources, super PACs effectively get around these restrictions and use unlimited amounts of donated money to support their candidates. Many super PACs are set up by former staffers and are funded by donors. Some say these super PACs are like a supplemental staff. Even if they don't coordinate directly with the official campaign, you know, they know what the campaign wants and needs and they're going to do it. Exactly. With the rise of super PACs, it's hard not to believe that our elected officials are bought and influenced by the special interest groups who are spending a ton of money to get them elected. Yeah, wealthy people more than ever have way too much influence on the political process just with the Supreme Court acted like it wouldn't happen. And the average voter is left with little to no influence. Nobody should have an unfair advantage in our election process. It's wrong. It is wrong, Julie. And another concerning thing about super PACs is that they're relatively easy to create under the federal election laws. As of January 2022, there are now almost 2,000 super PACs on file with the Federal Election Commission, which have raised over a billion dollars and spent hundreds of millions of dollars. That's a lot of money to influence voters and change elections. We talked before in our session on the Supreme Court about the fact that most of the justices are wealthy and come from great wealthy backgrounds. Rulings like this one that led to the creation of super PACs absolutely undermines the average citizen's right to self-government and allow for potential corruption to take hold as we've all seen happening. All that we can conclude is that the Supreme Court justices, they don't have a problem with that. They made it happen. Yeah. And as we mentioned in our dark money episode, I mean, these episodes are really important for all this background and stuff. We usually don't talk mm-hmm. a lot about, go see this, go hear this episode, but it's kind of important. Super PACs also allow some of the groups that contribute to them to keep the sources of their money private, allowing dark money influence from which we have no idea of the source. Well, maybe some ideas, but not the actual truth. Exactly. Those extremely wealthy people can use their money to influence unpopular reform packages or to support unpopular changes that mostly benefit themselves, but often hurt the general population, like blocking the development of alternative energies because they make money from oil and gas. Yeah, there may be some ways to counteract the negative, potentially corrupt ideas that dark money uses to influence our elections and the way our government is run. Just trying to be really positive here, but it's questionable. For example, (laughs) public financing empowers regular people and the candidates they support to run competitive campaigns without help from super PACs. These programs match money and multiply small donations with public funds. Yeah, as if that can compete with super PACs. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's a nice try, though. But the thing is, states can't require candidates to use public financing programs and the financial advantages of private fundraising in which candidates can reach out to wealthy people, PACs, unions, whatever dark money friends they have, other groups, without having to follow any expense limits leads candidates to opt out of the public financing programs, which typically have you know expenditure limits for people who are participating. But still the idea is being bantered about is not to eliminate big super PAC money. Although I don't know why not. I mean that freedom of speech thing. It's to give candidates not supported by wealthy donors the resources to compete for office. Oh, yeah, it is. It's just that the resources aren't equivalent. Right, they're not. 
Only 14 states currently provide some form of public financing option for campaigns anyway. Each of these plans require the candidate to accept public money for his or her campaign in exchange for a promise to limit both how much they spend on the election and how much they receive in donations from any one group or individual. And that should be the national policy, but only 14 states even offer it as an option. Right. And it also seems like it could be helpful if everyone had to abide by the rules, but having some people with limits and others with unlimited funds still easily creates that imbalance that just is unfair. Exactly, Cindy. This is just, it's not going to work this way. States that offer public financing options do so either through clean election programs or through matching funds for donations received. Clean election states, such as Maine, Connecticut, and Arizona, fully fund the candidate's campaign, while matching funds programs offer the candidate match donations that come into the candidate and in that way, they provide a good portion of the needed funds. Different states have set up programs differently, but the intent is the same. I don't know why we don't have this on a national scale. Some are called clean elections programs. Don't we all want clean elections? The rest are dirty, I guess. I I think we have different definitions of clean elections in this country. That's you. Mm. Mm. As an example of a clean elections program, a candidate for state office in Arizona has to raise $5 from at least 200 people in order to qualify. It's like a petition with money attached. In return, the state gives the candidate an amount of public money determined to be needed to run their campaign. But the candidate cannot be forced to do this. So if they choose to go private, they can raise as much as they want, which is usually vastly more than the expenditure limits determined by the states that do this. Yeah. The other type of public financing program offered in states like Florida and Hawaii offers matching funds for candidates up to a certain amount. So with this public financing, candidates still raise most of their own funds, but from small donors. And these programs highlight the connections between the candidates and their community by rewarding community fundraising rather than high-priced fundraisers, because when the candidates raise money, then they get some extra public money. Several cities and counties have created public financing systems. I like that idea because it shows that the candidate is getting direct support from humans, from individual people. But again, it's less money than a super PAC can provide. So there are some other helpful ways around super PACs, though it's really hard to see how much impact they make given the the vast amounts of money that are poured into these super PACs by the super rich. One interesting fact is that candidates receive large discounts on TV advertising, whereas PACs and super PACs don't. So that's one area where donating even smaller amounts directly to candidates can help them spread their message around in a less costly way. The ability to spend less in advertising can be very helpful to candidates. That's, That's a lot of money. It can be helpful to candidates with less wealth or less support from wealthy donors. And this could be extended to advertising on all of social media as well. It came about before social media's rise to prominence in the way public opinion is influenced. I like that idea. That's a good one. But, you know, there seems to be no end to the amounts of money people are willing to throw in to make sure they benefit, even at the expense of others. So we have to keep working for financial reforms, election reforms, you name it. This system is broken. We're all going to have to work really hard in order to try to fix it. We're trying to figure out how. Yeah, it's hard when you're up against 
huge amounts of money. Thanks for joining us. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Shrinks on Third. Till next time. Take care. Thank you.